Oh yeah, there's no way because it's just it's showing up on the uh, wave forms. <laughs> you just see the, oh, the little ticks. Yeah, yeah. I can see his face right now. You know, you know what the world would never, you know, the universe would never do. What is this better? Is allow Coder to have a mic with good quality and just leave it at that. (laughs) The universe can never leave that alone. Is this better? No, it's still doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, it's gone now. Are you are you fucking kidding me? No, nope, nope. it's back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Shadowcast, episode 10. I am Whiskey Neon, joined tonight with Black Math and Mr. Chin. Yo, yo. Uh, We're here without Zandy, because Zandy... uh, Is off being mediocre. Yeah, he he had homework tonight. And so, he's doing his homework like a good boy. Uh Aww. And, uh... Mr. Chin's having a uh, little dose of hacknip radioactivity happening tonight. He purchased a dynamic microphone that actually sounds really good. Unfortunately, there is a robotic fapping noise that occurs at random intervals. So, if that happens, then you've been warned. So, um, uh, how was... Are we going to give the model number of the microphone in case somebody wants to uh, duplicate the uh, digital fap? <laughs> yes. Uh, what What was the model number? It is a... Uh, C-A-D yeah, U1. A CAD U1 USB dynamic microphone. You can get it for 22 bucks on Amazon Prime. You uh, save 36.51. Yeah, trust me. You aren't saving anything. Uh, that's how much it actually cost. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's all of the the fun little intro things that we have for today. Um, well, wait, Black Math, uh, yeah. where were you last week? Uh, I had a friend come in from out of town um, on short notice. Speaking of come in on short notice. What happened after he came in? Uh, I was uh, apprehended by my wife. Sounds, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Walking on uh, the nice there. Well, all right. Well, that sounds great. How about we start our first? I don't kiss and tell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, he said the same thing about the 
the Freaknik with just him and Mr. Chin that year. So, why don't we start our first segment of the show. Now it's time for the feed. Alright, so if you use Trend Micro Antivirus, uh, first then off... fuck off. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit, a last episode actually, about... Um, what, what, what was it, Mr. Chin? Do you remember the, the product? I completely forgot. I, I honestly don't. When um, when you asked me for my opinion, I was actually napping, and then I woke up, oh. and then I stalled, <laughs> and then I hung up and went to bed. <laughs> That's, that is exactly what he does on every podcast. <laughs> uh, I think it was a vast. Or no, AVG. AVG had a, an extension uh, on Google Chrome that caused... Uh, uh, your your Chrome installation to be susceptible to cross-site scripting attacks. Well, the same guy who discovered that, a Google employee, a part of a Project Zero Day, um, I forget his name, it's, it's Tavis, Tavis something. Uh, I can't remember his last name. But uh, anyways, Tavis discovered a, a vulnerability in a Trend Micro uh, product. And uh, why this is so entertaining and upsetting is that this was Trend Micro's password manager. Oh. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So if you have Trend Micro antivirus on your Windows machine, uh, the password manager comes along with it. Like I said in the last episode, antivirus programs today that you pay for come with everything under the sun. It's a huge bundle thing. And I made a joke about how it would even wash your car for you. Then uh, that's the case with this one. It comes with this password manager. And uh, <laughs> I really cannot understand what the obsession with Node.js is. Um, but this password manager who, that ships with Trend Micro was uh, coded in Node.js. So, yeah. Um, and you have these HTTP RPC ports for the API request and uh, you could actually uh, run these uh, commands uh, in your browser and it would launch uh, any Windows executable so in the example he he opens uh, calc.exe which is a pretty standard yeah, yeah. When you're doing a POC or proving your point, that's, you know, you always open Windows Calc. Um, but Tavis, when he's uh, showing these, uh, you know, what you see here is the, the, the correspondence from the vendor and Tavis. And Tavis gets really, really entertaining uh, the more he digs into this and, the, and he gets really pissed off. Um, and it... it this guy is like a rock star because <laughs> he gets all of these companies to fix their stuff, but he also just completely calls them out on everything, and it's it's very funny. Um, but one thing that was really funny about this was that it actually. Uh, let's see if I can find. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, I happened to notice that the API 
show SB endpoint will spawn an ancient build of Chromium version 41 with dash dash disable dash sandbox. To add insult to injury, they append secure browser to the user agent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this this opens up a vulnerable older version of Chromium that actually disables the sandboxing, and <laughs> and calls it a secure browser. Oh Jesus, that's and, that's fantastic. And he actually, uh, this is. Uh, this is what he uh, says. Uh, I sent an email saying that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen <laughs> to the vendor. Um, but yeah, there's like lots of uh, WTFs and everything in there uh, to the vendor himself. So, uh, well, props to Tavis and uh, props to Google for allowing him to speak his mind. Yeah, Project Zero is incredible. Because it's, um, you know, security research that's designed, uh, that, that's funded by Google. They're Google employees, and they are doing research uh, not just for Google products, but for other software programs that uh, Google users may encounter. So it's kind of like a... I don't know, a goodwill mission to try to secure all the things. I think it's awesome because, you know, it's Google funding these dudes just uh, finding zero days and doing full disclosure with the backing of Google. So, <laughs> and yep. they, they give them 90 days and uh, I don't know, it's, it's pretty funny to me. Uh, so, again, if you have an antivirus program installed uninstall it and just don't download a bunch of stupid shit. You know, that's really where the antivirus companies make their profit is people downloading stupid shit. Like are using a out of date browser. You know what I'm saying? Going to some site with some ad that, you know, installs a Trojan, you know, but yeah, the majority of it is stupid shit. Buddy isn't there to help me. I tell you what, that is one piece of malware that I gladly had on my computer for years. Bonzi buddy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Both the purple gorilla version and the parrot. I was a big fan of Bonsai buddy and Comet Cursor. Oh, shit, I remember Comet Cursor. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of dial-up ISPs that were free when I was a kid. <laughs> And uh, that trend really stopped after uh, I tried this porn ISP. Uh, and it was like AOL for porn. <laughs> uh, and I uh, called it up one day when I played sick at, at home. And uh, they called the Bahamas. Oh, shit. Oh, no. So there was a very expensive phone bill. So and your parents were happy. Well, no, because they forgot that I was sick that day, and they told the phone company, and honest, as far as they knew, uh, com- you know, rebuttal <laughs> that I was at school, no one was home. <laughs> <laughs> so, we didn't have to pay for the Bahamas ISP. But yeah, downloading stupid shit's why you needed antivirus. <laughs> Oh, man. But just don't do it. 
but yeah, do you have a story, Black Matt? <clears throat> yeah, speaking of uh, just remote uh, do-whatever-you-want hacks, um, actually posted yesterday to the Arch Linux uh, bug tracker is uh, a vulnerability in FFmpeg. Um, it's the current version, and it allows an attacker to create a specially crafted video file, uh, downloading which will send files from the user's PC to a remote attacker's server. Um, wow. The attack doesn't even require the user to open the file. Like, um, I guess the KD Dolphin thumbnail generation is enough. Um, desktop search indexers could be affected. Is this uh, um, multi-platform or just on Linux? Um, they don't say that it's limited to Linux. I mean, FFmpeg is most prevalent on Linux, but it can be compiled on, you know, Mac OS X or Windows. Oh, dude, it's used heavily on Windows too, man. Well, I don't see that it's just, it just says current version, so. Well, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, that, so, so, uh, yeah, continue. Sorry, I was just wondering how many things I have to update. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. The recommended workaround is to rebuild FFmpeg without network support um, until the vulnerability is fixed upstream. <laughs> rebuild it without network support. Yeah, yep. that's a good mitigation strategy. I wonder, okay, so if FFmpeg is extremely popular with um, transcoding files on websites like YouTube and yeah. uh, just a slew of any any video hosting site. Almost all of them will use FFmpeg uh, unless they have their own custom one. But those there's a lot of sites where you can uh, like click, clipconverter.cc. I don't know how many uh, media.io. All these sites that will let you transcode, um, you know, like a WAV file to MP3 or whatever the hell. Um, MOV to MP4. Uh, they use M FFmpeg for that, so that would be pretty interesting to see what you could do on those kind of servers. And various websites that allow you to upload videos. There's Those are dime a dozen. I'm sure that those are probably going to be vulnerable for some time. I guess uh, the FFmpeg, uh, the Wikipedia page says that... Um most computing platforms and microprocessor instruction set architectures are also supported. Um, so like x86, PowerPC, ARM, Alpha, Spark, MIPS. I'm not sure if the uh, vulnerability extends to those or what. Huh. Well. So anyway, don't watch videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got one here. Uh, this one's kind of important um so we have this uh thing called open ssh oh yeah and today uh a vulnerability was announced so here we are again uh you can download <laughs> a update and you need to do that immediately um so there's a mitigation yeah. yeah, the mitigation, uh, so for OpenSSH, uh, uh, well, well, I, it, this is for OpenVPN, is it not? Or is it all of OpenSSH? No, it's OpenSSH. This is OpenSSH. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. 
which yeah, is the bigger part right. of it. It's not the server, it's the client, as in if you're running Arch or you're running Debian or running whatever, yeah. you have OpenSSH client installed. But yeah, 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 right. Uh, and uh, you can uh, disable it by uh, adding user roaming no to the global SSH config file. Yep. Or in the user configuration in uh, .ssh slash config. Or by passing dash lowercase o capital use capital roaming equal no on the command line. So, yeah, you can just patch it as well. <laughs> What's awesome is that it affects so many versions between like what 5.4 and 7 point something. 7.1? Yeah, 5.4 to 7.1. That's uh, a lot of versions. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so uh, be sure to update uh, your antivirus for Linux. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go ahead and patch my Archbox right now. What does uh, Windows 10 use? Um, it, it doesn't actually... Uh, it, did you not see where it was revealed that the SSH server was just some freeware that Microsoft included and that uh, the, the client was just a wrapper for Putty. Really? really? And no, I made that up. I ah, have no clue. Uh, the sad part is we believed it. Yeah, I know. That's really funny. <laughs> oh, God. So, Blackmath, give me a, another story. Okay, so that... Uh... That hilarious teenager that hacked the CIA director John Brennan last year. Oh, and, and, and not just that one. He also uh, hacked into the FBI arrest record portal, too. But continue. Um, I guess he's with a group known as Crackers with Attitude. CWA right? all day. Yeah. Uh, well, he once again hacked into another CIA director, James Claffer. Uh, the CIA Director of National Intelligence. Oh. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's... Like yeah, a range of uh, Clapper's accounts had been seized, and Clapper and the CIA, as of January 13th, had not had a clue what's going on. Oh, And uh, yeah. I guess uh, the uh, statement from the hacker is, I'm pretty sure they don't even know they've been hacked. You asked why I did it. I just wanted the gov to know people aren't fucking around. People know what they're doing, and people don't agree. Hashtag free Palestine. Yeah, yeah. He claims that all of this is for Palestine. I think that's hilarious. Like, uh, if you're ever going to just do something for the lulz, attach it to some, like, serious cause and s to deflect any attention to who you are. <laughs> well, they're going to profile based off of that. I guess you can follow them on Twitter. The uh, handle is Dick Reject. <laughs> uh, one thing that it should be noted here is that Motherboard called the phone number, the home phone number, uh, or the cell phone of the wife, and uh, there was like I don't I don't remember the circumstance, but uh, the, all of that information was true, and this was hacking like. Kevin Mitnick hacks. I don't actually think a hack occurs here on possibly any of the stuff they've done. Everything here leads to just uh, really good social engineering. And that's really what it comes down to. Because think about it. With the CIA director, it was a Verizon account. In yep. this case, it was another Verizon account. So 
there is some social engineering uh, attack going on there that is either specific to the way Verizon operates or uh, it just could be that in the region of where these guys live, Verizon's their, uh, you know, ISP. But I th honestly think this is just all just social engineering and happenstance. I don't think this is like some kind of skilled hacker. I think this is Kevin Mitnick social engineering people. You know what I mean? Well, based on the media's definition, it's all hacking, right? Yeah, I'm well, uh, if you go off of what the penalties are, it's all hacking. <laughs> yeah. Oh god! Do you have any more uh, infosec-related news? Um, I guess anonymous knocks all Thailand government websites offline. Oh, well. after uh, two men were sentenced to deaths, and they released one gig of data from uh, the Supreme Court of Thailand. Uh, so that's on uh, is, the uh, pwned subreddit as of four hours ago. Is uh, Thailand number one anymore, or are they number two? Number one, what? Like, I, I guess you haven't seen the the video. This dude's trolling on a video game where uh, there was this Chinese dude in there, and he goes Thailand number one, and the guy goes, "Oh no, China number one, Thailand number two. and they just <laughs> are. I've not seen that. Yeah, and then it finally, then he goes, "No, Thailand number one, Japan number two. and then the Chinese <laughs> guy says like something like, uh, "USA number eight. <laughs> <laughs> It's, That's about right. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, well, I've got I've got an update, and 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 who's typing? Yeah, that's Mr. Chin. He's just sitting there. This is not Hacknip Radio. Hey, Mr. Chin, did yeah. you get a mechanical keyboard? I did not. No, he just types it's his just rage. rage. Yeah, <laughs> you you heard the BIOS crying in the background. <laughs> oh God. Um, no. I have an update to last week's story. Uh, for the listeners who didn't listen to last week or forgot, um, I reported on uh, Mohammed Abad, 43-year-old over in the UK, who um, who had an unfortunate accident when he was younger in which his penis was ripped off. And he got a bionic penis. And he was uh, planning on losing his virginity to the 35-year-old sex worker, um, uh, Char Charlotte Rose. And she's a 200-pound-an-hour escort that oh. had to offer to him to, uh, to uh, do the deed, take his virginity for free. And the plan wow. was for them to go out to dinner and uh, get to know each other and then spend two hours of alone time. Uh, so to give you an update on that situation, uh, this week, well, well, uh, yeah, this, uh, the whole thing when he got his dick ran off, uh, like, like got his dick removed, um, uh, how that happened was in 1978 when he was just a wee little six year old boy, he was hit by a car and it, oh. it dragged him 600 feet. Holy shit. And sliced his dick off in the process. Oh. Yeah. Insult to injury. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, he got the bionic penis and all this stuff. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to lose his virginity, guys. 
because uh, he was rushed to the hospital this week Uh-oh. when he was in a BMW that collided with another car. <laughs> no. <laughs> and broke his ankle. No. Yeah. What about his dick? His dick's completely okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, he broke his ankle, and he has uh, two deep head wounds and a concussion. Uh, and he was quoted as saying, I have waited long enough, so another couple weeks won't make much difference. <laughs> this guy's never getting laid. <laughs> uh, dude, what if he dies before this happens? That would be the most tragic story. Because, like, not just because he didn't lose his virginity, but that he, uh, like, we just wasted a bionic penis. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, that's a real crime to humanity. <laughs> Robo dick. All right, we got any more news? Um, let's do one last I if, story. I don't know if anybody's been following like that whole juniper thing with their firewalls with the back door. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they patched those. Now, Fortinet. Uh, apparently, ah. there's an SSH back door that was found in their firewalls, and uh, Cisco just patched uh, hard coded passwords hey. and uh, <laughs> some DOS volumes, but. Apparently, Cisco, too, had some hard-coded passwords on their routers. And they changed their password. Do you know what it is now? Change me? No, capital C. It's Cisco with a capital C and then one, two, three, four, five. Jeez. Yeah. You know, all of these back doors and these networking products, if you were to just put a tinfoil hat on for a second... It's almost as if Edward Snowden's not a liar after all. Maybe huh. maybe Benny isn't just some weird nut raining about the NSA and that Utah facility. Maybe there's actually this whole idea of trying to uh, backdoor all of the things. Maybe Mr. Chin's paranoia, due to me, is actually... The beginnings Healthy. of, uh, yeah, of a... Of the normal society? Yeah. Maybe maybe I jump-started you into the future of humanity. You're welcome. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, like, they don't even need to uh, do that sometimes when the vendor just kind of builds it in themselves. I mean, there are a lot of products. Um, in fact, a large vendor who will rename nameless <coughs> Dell um, has a file storage system called compellent. And oh yeah. Yeah. They have uh, so like they have you can comp- log in via command line uh-huh. and uh, if you do it, it'll, you have to log in with a specific SSH username and no password. And it presents you with like a custom, login prompt after that so it's almost like uh sshd wrapped with something else right right or passed on to uh, a different binary so i'm i'm sure that there's got to be some vulnerabilities in there at some point but basically they won't give you the root credentials though it's a linux-based operating system Uh so you know there's a root account and dell support has a magical way of getting in to fix things should you need it so i mean yeah there are built-in back doors to a lot of things, and this is just one, just one example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Compellent uh, 
before you, uh, uh, yeah, Compelled's there, uh, one of Dell's accusations they made, uh, and it is a... Uh, Wait, ac- acquisition or accusation? I, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, good chat. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, but it's a SAN uh, device, uh, so... Yeah, they're they're nice products, but the yeah, before you update the firmware, you're supposed to phone home, and it does a check, and you can actually call up their support, and they will uh, make sure everything's good for you, and they will actually do the firmware upgrade for you and stuff. So, uh, yeah, they have complete back. Think of it as just like a cloud, um, a cloud device at that point. It's on premise. But uh, think of it kind of like Cisco Meraki, where it is a um, Meraki is, you know, networking products that are all tied into a cloud management interface. So it's really popular for enterprises with multiple locations. They can easily, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the network ops, they can easily manage their entire enterprise or retail or whatever um, from one management interface. So that's really convenient. But uh, every single one of those devices is phoning home to a central uh, vendor, um, you know, cloud-based solution. And, the, and it's no different with Compellent in that case. Only you well, don't get fancy management features uh, outside of your uh, premise. I would hope they have some sort of uh, like enterprise level password vaulting where you check out root passwords and the system changes like rotates the password after each use. <laughs> uh, but it's I probably be surprised key-based. if not. If anything, it's key based. I bet. Could be. Uh, and and I'm sure it's unique to each device. I doubt. I mean, they could have one global one, but. Uh, you know what they better do though. What. Better update open SSH. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Uh, uh, Datto, a really popular uh, backup and disaster recovery product uh, that's used by managed service providers. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to reverse engineer one of their uh, appliances a few years ago. And the root username and password for all of their um, devices is Aurora. Username is Aurora and the password is Aurora, and uh. and so this is this uses uh, Shadow Snap I think is the name of the, it's a it's not their product they license this uh, Shadow Snap product and it copies your uh, system or server uh, snapshots to the Datto device which acts as a really what it comes down to is Datto's are a bare uh, a bare bones rack server that they build themselves and it's just got a bunch of drives in it like a NAS and if you need to spin up a uh, a virtual machine from your backups your snapshots uh, it actually the hypervisor they use is VirtualBox <laughs> which is funny what? to me yeah it uses VirtualBox as the hypervisor I was pretty, pretty uh, surprised when I saw that. Yeah, (laughs) 
I just I didn't understand, but I believe the way that uh, the Shadow Snap or whatever the the application's called, I think that it will export the images as whatever virtual box. It's not v- VMDK or whatever you know uh, hard drive format. Uh, I forget what VirtualBox's extension is, but I think that's why they use VirtualBox as a hypervisor. Or maybe they just don't know how to use kvm i don't know <laughs> like these headless virtual box or um y- yes uh on the web interface you can spin up your vm and it'll do it headless but i don't know if everyone can do this or not i have no clue but when i logged into the device i it's like a full desktop uh i, I, I uh. yeah like it's desktop linux like i mean i i had a full I, I think it was uh, KDE. I don't remember. It's been a while. I, I think it's a... Watch. A, a, some guy's going to uh, think, oh, I have desktop Linux so I can watch some fucking videos. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah. But it had the full... Uh, like, I could sit there and, and screw around with uh, VirtualBox on it itself with keyboard, mouse, monitor all hooked up to it. Uh, Aurora, Aurora. Yeah. So that that's common in Ubiquity networks, you know, UBNT user password is UBNT. It's very common for default creds and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean that was understandable, but I mean like nowadays you would expect that that kind of shit would disappear quickly, right? But apparently not. I think it's sad that in enterprise solutions. It's not as commonplace as it is with Soho equipment now. I mean, admin admin for new routers is not as... You know what I'm saying? Like default creds. Yeah, stop doing that. Yeah, for a lot of vendors. Uh, But that's the way things are, I guess, nowadays. So I I remember, like, my very first job um, developing shit in Visual Basic. And I mean, I knew very little about it getting started, but I mean, you do stupid shit like put a little secret hotspot in the, in the user interface where if you click it, it goes to like a special secret place where you can configure things and stuff yeah. like that. You think it's so clever, right? Yeah. This is like a long, long time ago. Um, just recently, I went on uh, a trip for training and uh, in the lobby of this uh, office building, they had one of those uh, touchscreen building directories and you know like a mult like it's a key not, not a kiosk but it was built into the wall like a directory and uh, some other services you can access via this touchscreen and uh, i just start like i noticed that wherever you tap there's uh you know a mouse cursor appears right of course yeah <clears throat> so just start tapping in the corners and boom i think it was the upper right corner a uh menu comes up to enter the uh, configuration screen Oh wow, that's I mean, this awesome. is like this is 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you fucking hiring like high school kids that just learned Visual Basic to program your? Anyway, that kind of shit still happens. So, well, don't don't forget to try all the simple stuff if you're pen testing. Well, actually, uh, one thing that uh, you can do is. Uh, there is, if I'm trying to remember how, how the, there's a sequence where if you go to, uh, 
you know those Coke Freestyle? You know what that is? The Coca-Cola Freestyle? It's like the, uh, the, the soda fountain that you can, uh, you know, pick your flavor like Coca-Cola and then add various flavors to it. Those are absolutely disgusting. <laughs> they have the <laughs> Yeah, they have them at like Burger King and Yeah, it's all one button and Yeah, it's a big touch, touch screen. screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know if this is still the case, but if you go to the water uh the water menu and you tap <laughs> you tap the water button at like where you dispense the water, you go above the T and then uh down under the the W and then I, th- I think down under the E and it brings you the admin, administration console. <laughs> so that's, an exa- that's a perfect example of it. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to remember how all it works. But you could, uh, on some versions, you could actually change what flavors were available. So you could do all kinds of funny stuff. But yeah, you, there's a... Uh, <laughs> Like rename flavors. Yeah, you can actually. I, I, if I remember correctly, you could rename things, but you could just make it to where, like, um, there was only like one, like chocolate flavor would be the only one, or you know, I don't know if they have that, but you could just really just make it unenjoyable for everyone, because you know that person's like, oh, I really want a cherry coke, and they go, and there's just like, oh, I can only have lemon. That that's all I can get. <laughs> so that's still commonplace. Make it so no matter what somebody chooses, it's lemon coke. Well, no, I think you can just select just normal coke. But if you want any flavors, all you would have is lemon. I forget how it went, but <laughs> oh. there was fun to be had with it. So like, do either make it so that you either get lemon coke or water and nothing else. Yeah, 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 something like that. I don't know. There was a lot of different options, and I don't know if that's still a vulnerability that exists, but... I love kiosks and little embedded things like that. Oh, God, especially Uh, if USB ports are there. The place, um, my place of employment uh, recently implemented these little touchscreen gadgets outside of every meeting room. And, like, it displays the schedule, you know, like, upcoming who has the room and this and that. and looks real fancy. Um, but it's got some, uh, I guess, like, hardware buttons. They're not, I guess they're hardware buttons. They're not on the screen. They're on the side. But they're not, like, you know, like, they're kind of, like, just touch-sensitive buttons. And uh, I saw them for the first time. And while we were waiting for the other meeting to get out... Pulled up my phone, pulled up Google, did a search for the manufacturer and for manual, and <laughs> the manual came up. And right there in the manual, it says how to get into the configuration screen and things like that. And it's just simply pressing all of the buttons in order two times, like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And it goes into the configuration screen with uh, shows you all the networking information and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. But when you exit the configuration, it totally reboots the device and makes it completely unusable for a few minutes. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So, uh, back doors and horrible uh, access controls, they're everywhere. So, everywhere. Install an antivirus on every device and make sure that it's Trend Micro. 
Mr. Chen, can you refrain from uh, wrapping Christmas presents? <laughs> <laughs> you finally get a decent mic, and now we can hear all of the things that's happening in the Chin Den. Uh, well, this, this, uh, this section of the show is being sponsored by... Well, I'm surprised you didn't say Preparation H again. <laughs> I thought he was peeling apart the uh, pages to the uh, most recent issue of Playgirl. <laughs> yeah. Playboy stopped doing uh, nude it's photos, so but pl- Playgirls is still going on. Uh, no, I'm um, actually just eating pretzels. Yeah, that sounds like a good excuse. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, Play- of Playgirl magazine... Uh, since uh, Zandy's not here, uh, I will uh, I will do the honors of his segment straight out of Florida. University of North Florida student Joshua Stanley was arrested. Guys, what do you think was he did? It? What do you think he did? It's Florida, so... Um, public indecent exposure. Cocaine. Uh, no. Fire. No. His crime was being a Christian. And, uh... Yeah, and so... So what he did was, uh... He was arrested for starting a a fire and stealing and driving through the the front of uh, a 7-Eleven. Um, and... Basically, uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he goes in there and, uh, he, he, I can't, I can't remember here. Uh, yeah, he went inside the uh, store and he was throwing rocks and, uh, the, the clerk asked him to stop and, uh, that he would have to leave if he didn't buy anything. So this dude's throwing rocks. <laughs> And the clerk's like, dude, dude, chill out. You gotta leave if you don't buy something. Like, not like ro- him throwing rocks was a reason for him to leave. So, so instead of buying something, he just got, uh, he just stole a uh, lighter fluid and uh, a lighter. And, uh, and then he ran off. And then he went to a McDonald's. Uh, and uh, he was in an SUV and he was standing in front of a tree near a McDonald's. And he was uh, waving a white bottle, which was the lighter fluid. And uh, he lights something on fire and throws it on the ground. And it caught all the lighter fluid on fire. And uh, and then he leaves. And then uh, the sheriff's office was then dispatched to a UPS store because of uh, alarm went off. <laughs> and they saw that the window was broken. And uh and a rock had been thrown in. I wonder who this could be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, later on, the sheriff's department was dispatched to 7-Eleven, <laughs> where uh, there was a th- theft in progress. And so he just started taking all kinds of random shit. And he asked of a, a, a person, a patron, if she believed in God. And... Uh, and then he started telling her about Jesus, God, and Satan. And uh, then he told the the girl that the store was of Satan, and that he's going to burn the store down. 
and uh, then he started taking phone chargers, lighters, and rolled change. <laughs> oh. And so, all of this crazy behavior that he does behind the counter, and uh, a clerk says, hey, you're not allowed behind the counter. Like, why are these people so chill and just telling him, like, simple basic things when he's acting so ridiculous? Um, and he, they're in Florida. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they've seen it all. Well, he jumps at, off, at, like, over the counter, and he runs out the store with all the stuff, gets in his SUV, uh, and uh, drove through the front doors of the store. And then he backed up and started driving down the street. Uh, and then uh, a University of North Florida police officer uh, pulled him over on campus uh, for reckless driving. And, uh, yeah, he uh, is charged with one count of felony criminal mischief, two counts of criminal misdemeanor criminal mischief, and two counts of misdemeanor petty theft. Uh, so all of this was uh, was because he uh, felt like the store was evil. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Apparently this dude's like a complete nut. On December 1st, he texted 50 girls asking, do you want to be more than friends? <laughs> 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 Which well, this is a good strategy casting a yeah. wide net. Uh, I mean, the, the law of, uh, I mean, just statistically, one in fifty. Hey, yeah, it's pretty good odds. Yeah. Um. So uh, it, after all of that, uh, you know, she was, uh. You know, there was there was a lot of you know he sends these messages out and everything, and uh, he uh, he said that he was speaking spiritually and connecting his reason for the text to carrying out the Lord's work and message, <laughs> and uh, and he uh, t t like says that Satan had entered his soul, uh, and uh, basically that he was arrested. And uh, then his mom picked him up from jail, brought him to uh, his fraternity house, where his fraternity brothers then voted to remove him from the frat due to it's him being crazy. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that totally violates the uh, tenets of the satanic church anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah if Satan entered him, he wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, he'd just be cool and chill. Mm -hmm. um, but see, he he wasn't able to get a ride home after he was kicked out of the fraternity. <laughs> so he was just walking home, and he told an officer that during that uh, time of him walking home, he saw spirit warriors fighting all around him. So... That's Florida in a nutshell for you. Meanwhile in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there we go, guys. That's that's our Florida segment for today. There's so many things going on in Florida. Always, always. So let's uh, let's move into our uh, main topic of the evening, or uh, what we like to call your mom. Come one, come all. Engaging your mom in three, two. One, activate. 
operational security. These two words dominate the well-suggested advice from those in the hacking community to newcomers. The term, usually referred to as OPSEC, is the United States Department of Defense term that describes the process of how just bits and pieces of information when tied together can compromise sensitive information. What is known as OPSEC was developed from the lessons learned in, opera in an operation known as Purple Dragon during the Vietnam War. The U.S. military quickly found out during the beginning stages of the war that attacks were not as effective as they should have been. There was little fear that encrypted communications were being decrypted, so Operation Purple Dragon was operated by the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff to investigate just how this was possible and if information leaks were to blame. This operation found numerous information leaks, uh, including air traffic control centers, reporting on the whereabouts of B-52 bombers, during operations Arclight and Rolling Thunder, which gave bombing uh, bomber positions and flight plans away to the enemy. <sighs> yeah, so numerous findings from this uh, Operation Purple Dragon led to the formation of operational security. And OPSEC was employed before the end of the Vietnam War and made mandatory by President Reagan for any government department or agency, whether military or civilian, dealing with any national security mission. But really, when it comes to OPSEC, uh, the truth is that it's existed in warfare for centuries, as the element of surprise is a key goal in any attack. Um, and as a matter of fact, when it comes to our United States military, we've had common catchphrases that they've employed throughout its history to emphasize the importance of OPSEC, uh, with some examples being loose lips sink ships, silence means security, and for the love of fuck, don't send us on a mission with Geraldo Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> the Department of Defense preaches a five-step process of OPSEC that military and civilians receive training over. This five-step process is identify critical information, analyze the threats, analyze the vulnerabilities, assess risk, and apply countermeasures. But OPSEC isn't ex exclusive to the military or hacking. It's actually an important trait to operate your life by... Uh, but we're not here to preach to you about how you should live your life because what we're going to be covering over tonight is uh, cautionary tells that'll do that for us. So this is, uh, yeah, this is OPSEC and uh, why don't I start off with our first little sub-segment here uh, to uh, show a bad example of operational security, real-life examples. So, <clears throat> let's set the stage here. It's March 2003. Alleged weapons of mass destruction have convinced the masses and provided legitimacy to an invasion of Iraq. This is a new battlefield, and technology plays a key role in this war. The United States begins the invasion using the military strategy of rapid dominance, outlined in the 1995 book titled Shock and Awe. As a matter of fact, the initial lead-in and first attacks in Iraq were actually titled Shock and Awe by President Bush. A key strategy in rapid dominance is not only showing a barrage of military might, but to use media to document and spread this flexing of strength in order to impose fear into your current and potential enemies. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I remember uh, you know, staying up late at night during the first days of the Iraq invasion to watch the bombings in a and Baghdad uh, from those cameras in the hotel balconies. And 
then the yep. the tanks rolling in through the desert, broadcasting live via satellite video phones. Um, but part of this media strategy was actually embedding reporters with the troops and doing live reports. Obviously, in this scenario, OPSEC would be something you cannot take lightly. That is, if you're every if you're anyone but Geraldo Rivera. Uh, That's Geraldo Rivera. Is it is it Geraldo or Geraldo? It's Geraldo. He used to have a talk show. That I yeah, Geraldo. Yeah, yeah. He got punched in the face by a skinhead. Yeah, that that was excellent. He should get punched more often, especially in this case, <laughs> Geraldo. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't Geraldo. He got punched, but it was a different guy that got punched by a skinhead. Oh, uh, uh, well. I digress. Yeah. So the full bombing campaign began began on March 21st, and before the ground forces seized Baghdad on April 5th. Riviera was able to give our first embarrassing OPSEC failure in this episode. That's a really short time span, but by God, he managed. Um, And uh, what he actually did is kind of unbelievable to anyone who has common sense. So this was uh, in late March of 2003. And, you know, Riviera... He had a cushy job at CNBC in 2002. He had a uh, a nightly news show on there. But, you know, a lot of Americans after 9-11 had a calling to go to Iraq. But unlike those people who had a patriotic uh, calling to Iraq, Riviera saw the ratings call to Iraq and decided to give up his comfy job on CNBC and become a wartime correspondent for Fox News Channel. So, <laughs> he uh, he gets sent out there. And this is late March. Like, right when they're, you know, beginning to uh, actually have ground troop movement. And uh, they're doing this live broadcast on a Sunday night Fox News report. And he gets his photog to point the camera to the ground. And I remember this. Uh, it was by a stream or something. Uh, and he gets a stick and he draws a map of Iraq. And he says, this is Baghdad right here. And this is where we are. Oh, God. And this is where we're moving to. This is where we're going to go right here. And this is broadcast Alive the World on live television. Uh, so he gave away their current military position and a strategic um, you know, w- you know the str- strategic, uh, m- you know where they're going to be, their destination, everything was all given away on live television, on the most conservative uh, of of cable news channels. So when this happens, reports start coming out that he's going to get kicked the fuck out, and he, uh, while still with the troops, uh, no, he wasn't with the troops at that time. Actually, he was on his own, driving to Baghdad in a a mission that he brought upon himself to find Saddam Saddam Hussein. He like he was going to go find him, the most looked after guy in our military that we're trying to bomb. Riviera thinks he's going to find him in the streets of Baghdad. So he's sitting there boasting about how no, those are the haters from NBC that that you know don't like me because I left. And they're saying all of this stuff. That's the mainstream media for you. And then the military kicked him out and dropped him off in Kuwait. What a cocksucker. Yeah. 
if you remember, you probably didn't see much of him after that until Hurricane Katrina, where he made a fool of himself again. But, <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> oh, nothing um, against people that like going down on dudes, by the way. What was it now? I called him a cocksucker, and I wanted to clarify that uh, I have nothing against uh, Felicio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we 100% support uh, Mr. Chin's lifestyle. So the uh, the next the next obsec failure, I really can't cover as well as the guy who covered it first. Uh, so I will do a, a too long didn't read version, and I highly suggest you go on YouTube and search for um, obsec failures of spies. Uh, this is an amazing talk, and it's only like 27 minutes long, but in it you learn the story of how the CIA in a post-9-11 war, uh, world I should say, um, is trying to deal with our advances of technology. So you got a lot of these old school, uh, you know, CIA field agents who don't quite grasp all of this high tech stuff. And then you've got the post 9 11, uh, you know, um, I, I would say need, but it's not necessary. I'd say want by governments to uh, be able to collect and intercept our cell phone communications and also hand that out to all of our allies. And you have a recipe for some interesting um, uh, conflicts. Now, was this a talk? at a conference or this was a black hat 2013 talk about this but this was originally is this about the 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 mission they did in italy yeah that's yeah yeah Ugh, that was awesome okay, yeah continue. uh the uh the, yeah so so he did it at black hat because that was basically where the dude felt like he was an nbc producer and they can never really get clearance to do any of this, so he just goes to Black Hat and talks about it. It's really cool. Nice. Yeah, so uh, this was the Italian job is what they called it. And there was a uh, person that the U.S. government wanted to, well, the CIA specifically, wanted to apprehend and bring to Gitmo to question. And so they kidnapped the guy. Well, this is in Italy without the country knowing about the CIA's involvement. This was all like black ops type thing. And so they started doing tower dumps and started looking at all of the uh, historical data with phones and their locations and correlating them. And using technology provided by the U.S., they were actually able to identify these CIA agents where they use burner phones with new SIM cards but they were use, reusing the fucking phones. So they didn't get new phones. They just reused the phone and used the SIM card. And there was a lot of cross-contamination that occurred during this process by, you know, seasoned field agents that, that ended up uh, having these guys uh, wanted in Italy for the crimes. Like, they got doxxed. <laughs> they, they were compromised. And so was it like all, like, hardware... Uh like hardware addresses and baseband and stuff that were all the same. I am a guy. That's all it was using the same. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, they, they done goofed and <laughs> 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 done goofed. 
and they learn that the con- they learn that the consequences will never be the same uh, because the the Italians backtraced it uh, and they had to uh, go stateside. So those guys, all of their information in this talk is there. He's got like their passports, their names, everything. It's an amazing talk. Uh, and I highly suggest people go out and look at it because that is a great example of our, uh, our own tech being used against us by an ally because these dudes were breaking the law in Italy. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like Italy was being traitorous. They broke the law and all this stuff. It's a very good talk. So, um, OPSEC, the failures of spies uh is is the youtube search that you need to look for from black hat usa 2013. yeah i've not actually seen that talk so i'd like to go see that i love spy stories yeah do you uh do you have a a spy story for us black man uh i was going to for this episode but i didn't have have any time to do any uh in-depth uh research to speak intelligently on any specific story but if you look for um spy stories especially during the cold war and world war ii there are a lot of fun uh fun things you can read that are even now starting to be declassified and become public knowledge um there's some really big stories during the cold war um one russian spy who spied for the u.s um and i forget his name i'd have to look it up but i won't waste anybody's time um i think there's a book about it called the billion dollar spy um he just handed the U.S. troves and troves of information on um, uh, Russian uh, research into, I think, aircraft. And um, I think he was an engineer. Anyway, he was one of the most uh, profitable spies or assets that the CIA had. Um, and then also come coming out of the Cold War was... Uh, uh, there's an actually, there's a Netflix, I think it's Netflix, or you can find it on Netflix. There's like a mini series called The Assets, and it's about the largest mole in U.S. history. The Church um, of Scientology? No. <laughs> <laughs> Close, though. He was actually a CIA uh, uh, employee, and he just handed over information on... Ed- Edward Snowden? No, no, no. Yes, that's his name. Exactly. And uh, there are a lot of uh, spies that were killed because of, uh, I mean, he just leaked a ton of uh, information on CIA assets in Russia. So more like Chelsea Manning then? Um, No, I mean, he like, he actually handed the I'm trolling. Oh, you're trolling. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Yeah, if you ever want to do your own... uh, research or go watch some uh, fun shows or read some good books uh cold war era spycraft and tradecraft and stuff is very interesting and uh, you get to read a lot about opsec in fact the billion dollar spy um uh it goes into a lot of technical details as far as the tradecraft goes so if you find that stuff interesting uh, it's a really really good book oh thanks for the recommendation there uh yeah so, do you have any stories that you can share of OPSEC failures? Uh, what about again, Dread a Pirate? Busy week. You don't have oh, anything. The DPR? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't uh, do as much research on that as I wanted to, but I think a lot of people that are listening would probably know about the Silk Road and the arrest of Ross Ulbricht, um, a.k.a. the Dread Pirate Roberts. And uh, just basically a brief summary on his OPSEC failure. Uh, there were two major, major flaws, and one is in the beginning, he didn't take OPSEC seriously enough to disconnect his real life from his anonymous persona right which and, which included a forum post asking for help which was a php like question which was pr probably relevant to silk road's development itself in which a username jesus christ Jeez. dude like are you fucking your chair right now mr chin no my headphones came out jesus <laughs> christ just blowing us away over here. Go big or go home. My God. Well, it wouldn't be <laughs> Mr. Chin without just screaming into the mic. I thought Man, I was thought, muted. Thought the, that tiny phone, that tiny fapping sound was bad. Little did we know. Yeah. I, I would try to mimic it, but then I'll, I'll clip my own headphones, so I don't want to do that. Uh Sounds like chiropractors on steroids. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, um, he, there were forum posts which uh, he was using a, a different handle, but I believe that account was tied to like his Gmail account, which is like Ross Ulbricht oh, at gmail.com. So that was the first big error. The second big error is that he had been in it long enough where he got lazy, and that led to his ultimate demise and capture. Um, what I find interesting though is you'll find stories uh, dating back about a year or so about how he's actually the fall guy for the Silk Road of um, course and there are a couple of people that are referenced as being the masterminds one uh, was uh, you, I think he went by the handle Variety Jones or something like that Yeah, um, that was sort of like an advisor in a way they kind of built a friendship after Silk Road was founded. He kind of helped him out and became like this Uber advisor and basically was a big reason behind the success of Silk Road. Um, if you read into it, you'll see that it's like this guy's pretty hardcore. Like he knew what he was doing from like from a technical perspective, from a PR perspective, like beyond something just any average Joe would come up with. Like you kind of wonder what this guy was into in like his real life knew how to hunt people down things like that yeah and he uh he also one thing like yeah he tried to sh like he was also see here's the thing he wasn't just uh operating the platform see if i were to do that that's where i would end it right like i'd operate it make money over the escrow servicing right he was also selling drugs as well <laughs> And he would uh, go to, like, I don't know, he would drive 20, 30, 40 minutes away to drop his shipments off at post office box, like the drop boxes, uh, thinking that that was, you know, helping out. Well, anytime you do that, you, you got to be careful because you can just start doing a radius to try to, okay, uh, so we have these three cities here. Uh, so let's do a radius here. Oh, who's in the center here? You know what I mean? Like you could start kind of tying in that way. Um, yeah, all correlation, like 
in any investigation, reducing the surface area of, you know, uh, potential answers, potential leads is, you know, the biggest thing. And uh, from an OPSEC perspective, you want to keep that surface area as large as possible. Like you don't want to allow things like, I mean, it's like how a cell phone triangulation works. You know, you right. where are you going to identify the phys physical location of this phone? Well, you have like three towers that uh, the phone is connected to. So they're going to be within this certain geographic area. Um, anything like, like any data, um, that's what people are looking for is correlation and they can narrow down their, uh, narrow down their investigation. Yeah. And you know, uh, in his case, he also, after they suspected it was him, uh, you know, he put a hit out on a, uh, on a person with a hitman. Uh, he bought a fake ID, uh, that was shipped from Canada that was intercepted by customs and then uh, passed on to him so they intercepted the package looked at it and then sent it on uh because he was already being investigated they just intercepted his mail uh once he was targeted it was game over you know th that's the way it always is but they had a gps tracker on his car when he was doing all these mail drop-offs for his drugs so that that just adds time to your uh you know whole prosecution i i I just, I, I can't get over the fact that he just he didn't cash out, uh, and that he actually sold uh, sold shit. Why would you do that? Just don't do that and make money off of the site, the platform itself. Yeah, what's what's interesting is if you read up on the claims that uh, this other actor was advising him, um, and you read the types of things that. Variety Jones was advising him on you would wonder I mean I, apparently like Ross would message this guy about things like hey there's this troublesome user how do I respond to them something like little things like that so you know assuming that this person exists and this is true I mean you've got Ross who's coming to him for like all his advice right even the little things so when it comes to stuff like wanting to take out a hit on somebody or, you know, little operational things in OPSEC that he made so many huge mistakes on, you would think that the level of knowledge of this advisor person would advise him not to do all of these things. Well, you can take a uh, horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's true. I mean, we can it seems, seems Seems a little set up -y, though. Well, it could be. Also, all of the evidence that could be, you know, that we could be talking about that was using the case could have been parallel construction, anyways. And another possibility: um, what if this person was him and he was just trying to use two accounts to make him look innocent? Yep. And so there's infinite possibilities there. Uh, but yeah, he he kind of screwed himself when he. Uh, I don't know. So, if Variety Jones does exist, he has the best OPSEC. He oh. He to do everything. Oh, yeah. He, definitely. <laughs> he, he was probably just waiting for Silk Road 2, and he's like, I can't wait for this dude to get busted. <laughs> so, here's some OPSEC advice. I have a fall guy. 
And that's uh, why I have Mr. Chen. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, is that uh, uh, one of our Shadow Systems crew members, Polygon, he would be the perfect mastermind because no one would ever fucking think that he'd be behind anything because his technical knowledge is so lacking. Uh, unless it, uh, Unless it was Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, he, he he needs to do a show about Bigfoot. Or it involved the new sales pitch. Yes, he's also really good at, uh, not sales pitches, but idea pitches. Uh, so. Well, yeah, there you go. Shitting on everybody tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, God, this... I'm I'm trying to buy credits for Skype right now, so bear with me, because we want to we we want to get some people's opinions on OPSEC here. Um, but uh, continuing on, do you have any other examples? Uh, no. Oh. Well. How about Mr. Chin? I have plenty of personal examples, but nothing. Uh... Well, go go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, the one that comes to mind immediately. Um, uh, whiskey is the time uh, when you were visiting um, a former residence of mine. Um, uh, we were just kind of hanging out, and I had gone to the bathroom or something, and in my office I had left a spare car key. Um, you know what? Do you remember this? Of course I remember okay. it. You were asleep, actually. Uh, well, okay. In any event, uh, you, had, you had gotten a hold of a, a spare car key, and then we had gone... Uh, cruising around town and just causing general mischief. You um, make it sound like we were doing something cool when you say we were cruising around town. Okay, we, we really were. We really weren't doing anything cool. But uh, we had entered this coffee shop, and I have um, not the best hearing. What? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had entered this coffee shop, and... Uh, you lured me outside and said, dude, I think your car is, you know, I think your your alarm's going off. And I went outside to check on it, and uh, you followed me out there and kept popping the fucking trunk. Um, and basically causing my car to, um, you know, the alarm to go off and what have you. And I'd get there, and trunk would open, I'd slam it shut, I'd get frustrated, look at my phone. And you have this all on video. Um... Yeah, it's actually on. We talked about it on DHA after hours one month too. So, uh... yeah, that, that was an opsec failure, but not really. It was just like you were able to be trolled. I would say your opsec failure was leaving your USB key with your bootloader. With yeah, that with was an opsec failure. <laughs> Ended up with Justin Bieber Linux. Yeah, so he, uh, Mr. Chin. Uh, he has full disk encryption on all of his systems, so uh, so that he wouldn't be susceptible to an evil maid attack where someone could compromise your bootloader and steal your uh, encryption key. He has his bootloader on a thumb drive that he keeps on his key ring, and I uh, imaged that uh, that thumb drive and then uh, overrode it with Justin Bieber Linux. So. 
all those computers are, are configured to boot via USB so that the bootloader would, you know, boot off of his thumb drive. He types in his, uh, de like his encryption uh, passphrase and, and it decrypts it, it boots, and he just pulls the thumb drive out. Um, but in this scenario, when he turned on his laptop, what happened, Mr. Chin? I was greeted by the, uh, the face of Justin Bieber Linux. It was magnificent. It was not in any way. I was not happy. Uh, yeah, it took like five minutes for it to boot, which made it even better because you could just see the blood boiling on his face the whole time. And uh, then he uh, then he laughed when he saw the wallpaper, which is like kid, kid Justin Bieber, not current day Justin Bieber, but kitty Justin Bieber. Um, and, and it's like some Nopix derivative, I think, or Gentoo. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I think it's Nopix. <laughs> yeah. And there's a Hannah Montana Linux as well. But let's see, that was an OPSEC failure because I could have done something oh, you, malicious. Yeah, you really could have. Yeah. I should have. I'm uh, glad you did not. That's what you think. Well. Well, I have, a uh, another... OPSEC failure, uh, kind of tying in with the whole media OPSEC failure, um, and sort of talking about the hacker OPSEC failure, um, we have, uh, this awesome guy named John McAfee, <laughs> who, uh, created McAfee Antivirus, uh, so, oh, it was, uh, 2012, um, and, John McAfee, uh, he lived... Where, what country was it he lived in? I forget. Belize, I think? Yeah, Belize, yeah. Uh, he was... There's a lot of rumors about this man and what he was up to. But he claims, and I believe this guy, because uh, he says so much ridiculous stuff that he would just say the truth. I mean, he's admitted to taking every single drug that he's ever heard of. So... Uh, I don't think he would lie about this, but he was trying to make uh, new medications using the uh, the herbs and w whatever the hell that's there around uh, where his facility was in Belize. And then he had an island house that was completely swagged out. And I don't remember how many girlfriends he had. I think it was six that lived with him at the time. And he'd have all these guns and uh, bodyguards. And he actually was a vigilante. And he cleaned up all of the, the drug dealers in the town near where he lived. Which made him an enemy to the state of, uh, of affairs there. Because drug dealers uh, were gone. So the payoffs that were occurring to the police were no longer there. So the police come to him and say, you're paying us now. Since we don't have the drug money. And he says no. And and then he's no longer a fan of the, the police and they're no longer a fan of him. Uh, at some point, he has this dispute with his neighbor. His neighbor kept going on about how his dogs were barking too loud. And he would say, hey, can you please keep your, your dogs from barking so much? And all this stuff. Well, uh, at some point... Uh, they go out and all their dogs have been killed. They've been poisoned. And the next night, that neighbor was dead. 
So all fingers pointed towards McAfee. And he claims he's innocent. And I believe he probably is. And uh, so the grand escape to leave the country begins. Well, as he was trying to escape, uh, Vice had two reporters sent along with him. A, a reporter, uh, I forget what his name was. I, I want to say uh, Robert King was with him and Rocco Castoro, uh, who was the uh, uh, journalist, the editor-in-chief uh, for Vice at the time, were with him um, out there. And they released this article on December 3rd, 2012 titled we are with john mcafee right now suckers and this was when he was all over international news everyone was trying to find him and he had this great like movie style escape uh and that very article that was very brief completely busted john mcafee and how it did how all of that came to play was because of the photo that was taken and in this photo uh, for those of you who aren't aware, one OPSEC measure that is uh, something that you need to take when you're taking photos is removing any metadata. And this would be the EXIF data that was on the phone uh, or on the picture. And the picture that was taken was taken with an iPhone. And uh, Rocco Castoro, when he was talking to the editors in New York at Vice, he specifically said take a screenshot of the picture and upload it. What they did instead was just upload the raw picture, which had the geolocation uh, metadata in the EXIF file, which led the authorities to the hotel that he was at. He was then uh, found in Guatemala, and it was pretty awful. And what I'm going to play for you right now is a clip that was released way later uh, that uh, was part of the Vice documentary that was filmed about this. Now, it's important to note that Vice was making a documentary and they vouched uh, after they they basically doxed him and busted him they released a message apologizing for it and saying that we're still going to release this video even if it makes us look bad because let's be honest this is going to be one hell of a story they never released anything that was the last thing they ever mentioned with John McAfee and then a few years later the video uh, the video I'm about to play for you uh, gets uploaded to the internet. So this is a clip of footage that we may never see, but we at least have the moment where John McAfee realizes that he's completely boned. What's the question? I said, what's going on? Um, our, our good friends, friends yes. in, in um, um, New York um, uh, published the uh, EXIF data. Yeah, part of the story. It's what happened. Okay, here's here's the spin on this. You guys are fucked too. You realize, right? If we caught, right? You know that. You're you're fighting for your life here. We have some unfriendly people coming. Because it was on his phone. If the friendly person gets here first, the, uh, the we'll have a nice day. And I want to make sure. Uh, otherwise, it we will have a very bad day. The phone. If it does, then we. That's where we are. What would the bad day entail? Um, 
I don't know. I, I have ten fingers now. I may have fewer by the end of the day. And who would be, who would cut your fingers off? I'm not entirely sure. Um, the, if there is a reward out very large for the the officials, the lower officials in bordering countries uh, who return to me. So you know, it's enough money that they would go to extra lengths. I think to, to find me. But I really need to. If you get arrested with me, there is the chance that you may okay. suffer some, some ill treatment. The way you spin this is that, Jesus, they were coming to get us. Um, we were on the line now. We became, part, we became part of a different story at that point. This is not the story of John McAfee, that's the story of how do two journalists escape from a tight situation. If you are not ready, this time I will fucking leave you, okay? Do you think this will be the uh, second time. he knows about the photo? No, he didn't. Sam just called him and told him. And so now he knows. So we're out of here. And his instructions just said. Just in time. He said, go and pack. All right. Okay. <coughs> Wait, let's get the story on who fucked who. Jonathan, please. Do you know who this is? My name is John McAfee. I have absolute proof, absolute proof, sir, that you have been working with Gentlemen's Quarterly GQ. I know for a fact that you did this on purpose, sir. Seriously, dude, you can't do drugs at work. You really can't. You know, people think, yeah, I can, you know, I can snort crack, I can smoke crack, snort cocaine. Yeah, I even see people think that they can shoot smack, but you can't, dude. You end up making errors. So, I would suggest knock it off during working hours. In fact, weekends is probably best. Okay, my friend. So as you can tell that he's not happy at all and I'm pretty sure there was a lot of lawsuits thrown around or whatever but he was still able to get out and now he's uh, he is uh, in the US uh, living in Tennessee over by Polygon and uh, getting DUIs so oh that's right yeah he's over there <laughs> so Polygon should try and uh, pay him a visit yeah, he's not too far. I actually looked to see where John McAfee lived to see if we can maybe make a road trip up there. I found his house, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I wasn't able to uh, actually, you know, get a phone number or anything on him. I have his email address. Maybe we, I want to try to get him on the show at some point, so maybe we'll get lucky and, and have him on. Would you, would you stay up late for that one, Mr. Chin? And Mr. Chin. Mr. Chin. Did he fall asleep? Sorry, sorry, I was muted. Uh, we thought you fell asleep. No. I I do need you to repeat the question though. Yeah, yeah, he fell asleep. Uh, would you uh like to be on the show with John McAfee, or would you fall asleep? I would probably fall asleep. <laughs> Although that that could be my claim to fame. I could put that on my resume. Yeah, you could. You could, definitely. Um, but yeah, moving on now uh, to uh, the our last example here of the night. Uh, who's gotten all over the news lately. Uh, when uh, El Chapo got busted. And how did he get busted? How, how, how did he get busted? Well, it turns out it was an OPSEC failure. <laughs> and how, how does that happen? I can tell you how it happens. 
Um, and besides DFW 2014, I'm at the after party. I'm having a conversation with a very passionate IP attorney who is drunk and he tells me that that your ego you gotta kill your ego man like everyone gets popped because of their ego and that's the number one failure with everyone you you, you don't talk about anything you don't you, you don't want anyone to know about any of your great hacks you just don't do it you just don't talk and you just shut up and do it and that's what El Chapo could have done or El, El, it's El Chapo right or am I butchering that like he butchered so many people um. No, I think it's actually El Guapo. <laughs> You're kidding me, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's El Chapo. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but yeah, so he let his ego get the best of him. And he gets interviewed by Sean Penn. Uh, and this was obviously for a movie deal about him, a biopic. But uh, yeah, it turns out that Sean Penn... Uh, in his article, he talks about how, uh, well, Black Matthew, you had some interesting comments on 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 Sean Penn's technical abilities. Um, yeah, in his Rolling Stone article, which I haven't read in its entirety yet, I've read more short articles about it um, and excerpts from it. Um, he's very. Uh, well, he states in his article that he doesn't use a laptop and never has and doesn't even know if they make them anymore. Um, and basically just the way he describes his use of burner phones and he mentions black phone, um, but the, th the way he talks about them, um, it's like security. I mean, it's it's all about implementation, right? Like you can have secure cryptographic algorithms when you encrypt things but if your implementation of the of uh, cryptography is poor then it doesn't matter like exactly like, Diff like diffie hellman for example so i mean you can know some lingo and know some concepts about you know proper opsec but if you don't actually really become knowledgeable in them um in the end your implementation can just suck and it won't even matter which, I mean, he was, he, apparently he got into, uh, in contact with El Chapo through a Mexican actress um, who El Chapo had become good friends with. Um, and her communications were being monitored uh, just because of her connections to the, uh, the kingpin. Well, and, and she was also very vocal being against mm -hmm. the Mexican government and the police and everything too, so I'm sure that that was part of it as well. Yeah, so I mean, there, her OPSEC is also part of this. Um, but you can see her communications, uh, the communications between her and El Chapo, and you know, she's aware that she's being starting to be uh, followed and her phone's being tapped. And she, you know, they break off communications for a while. So, I mean, she had the wherewithal to be able to identify um, weaknesses and breaches in her own OPSEC. But I think Sean Penn is 
he comes across as not only not knowledgeable enough, but too arrogant to take it seriously. Yeah, he's a pompous prick. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, seriously, read the article. He just comes off as a jackass. Like, the interview wasn't even that long. It was mostly just him rambling about his personal journey. Go fuck yourself, Sean Penn. Okay? Like, if I want to see your personal journey, I'll just go watch Milk and pretend it was you being significant. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so his offset sucked. Um, yeah. That's about all I, I just about all I read into it is that his offset was horrible. Yeah, in the article he talks about how he would go from track phone to track phone, swapping out, uh, swapping out the phones and the SIM cards every day, and then uh, he mirrored a, a black phone. Uh, yeah, which I mean, the terminology he used and the way he spoke about it. Um, it, one, I don't know if it was a blogger or, or uh, a journalist contacted Blackphone and uh, discussed Sean Penn's use of the Blackphone and Blackphone's response was they don't think he knows what he's doing or, 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 or what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he googled like encryption f- phones and that's what he went with. I, I mean, they, he would have been better off with Signal. Then, or, or, yeah, where he said like, "Hey, what's uh, you know what's something that's secure?" And somebody says, "Oh, black phone." So he gets a black phone, but uh, you know, then you know his uh, his Google account's tied to it or whatever. Yeah, I bet. I uh, know, honestly, I bet he just thought that having a black phone meant it was just like like black ops secret. I can just <laughs> yeah. walk over to Mexico <laughs> with this, and they'll never find me. Oh, I gotta set up the phone. Okay, here's my here's my Gmail account and password. Yeah. So like. Yeah, so I mean, with burner phones, the whole point is that, you know, you don't have an account or credit card tied to a phone. But with a black phone, while think like there's things that they tout like uh, automatic VPN, you know, for all of your data connections, you have an account now. Like I yeah, mean, it's it's a it's a phone phone, right? And apparently there was a use of BlackBerry Messenger, which which it it, it mm, leaks metadata, but the. Well, they like even the like the I guess the, the encrypted communications for BBM can be decrypted like I don't know three out of five times maybe like most uh, decent nation states have the ability to uh, right peep into BlackBerry messaging. And, and if you remember before we had all these soft uh, phone solutions. Crypto phones were the uh, de facto, you, you know, it's a normal phone call, but they there is uh, chips that would basically let you do end-to-end encryption, uh, like on a hardware level. Uh, very, yeah, very, very, very expensive. Mostly used in Europe. Uh, but even those, you would still be able to track your location, you know? Yep. Which is what leads you to uh, El Chapo. And so, so <laughs> he was on. So Sean Penn was under the false impression that he knew something about OPSEC. Yeah, he would have actually. You know what? That bastard should have just not used a damn phone and went and got a damn laptop, learned how to use it, and used Jitsi, <laughs> and he wouldn't have even had any of those issues. Like. Yep. The best thing to do is just to use VoIP or like SIP clients 
over VPN connections, and then it's going to be pretty damn hard to figure out who you are, where you are, uh, without NSA-level surveillance. But even then, it's still going to be pretty damn difficult. Um, and it, if and you at that point, and at that point, you're being targeted and you're fucked anyway. Exactly. If you want to make anonymous phone calls over the PTSN network, all you need to do is buy a um, a laptop, get a Alpha wireless card, a Yagi antenna, go to a Starbucks, uh, like a block away from a Starbucks, point that antenna at it, get on their Wi-Fi, connect to a VPN that you purchased with Bitcoins that you got from an ATM. And then, uh, and then log into one of these 800 number SIP uh, trunks uh, with a soft client like Jitsi on your laptop. And then uh, use a calling card that you paid in cash at some gas station. So you <coughs> dial the 1-800 number. It's completely free SIP call. You put in the calling card info. And then you can make a, a free, extremely hard to track down uh, PTSN call. Man, I'm just thinking about the investigative resources that need to go into tracking that down. Holy cow. Yeah, because you would have to compromise the VPN provider and then go to the Starbucks and then that's the end of it because you you wouldn't you wouldn't have any CCTV footage because you're so far away. Uh, you, you could get the 1-800 number. Well, actually, you would have to go to the 1-800 number uh, like the calling card company and uh, and see that that was oh here's here's the number that called it and then it, oh it's the sip trunk oh it's this VPN oh it's the Starbucks oh shit oh well let's go and see where he bought this uh, phone card at if they could track that back to the uh, to the place well then if they get you on CCTV there that's cool but you can always hack the CCTV cameras or you don't have to do that what you do in that case is you wait and you just sniff the traffic and you grab up a bunch of Mac addresses and then yeah. once somebody has left Starbucks you spoof your Mac and use the same Mac address and uh, maybe they'll pin it on some some guy doing his you know yeah. little work from the coffee shop that's why I always go to Mr. Chin's Starbucks and use his Mac addresses. Yeah. <laughs> How nice of you. Appreciate that. This ties back to a laptop running Justin Bieber Linux. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, yeah, we've had... Well, uh, actually, you know, now that you mention it, the next time that, like, where... Okay, my next employer, whomever that may be, if I'm allowed to run a Linux box... I'm totally doing Justin Bieber Linux. Oh, well, you're going to have an out-of-date operating system, that's for sure. Yeah, well. Well, well that in the you know, first, Im- first impressions are most important. And if you start off your work uh, work life somewhere with Justin Bieber Linux, you're going to make one hell of a first impression. Yeah, you might as well go with Hannah Montana Linux at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as creepy. <laughs> Make sure your uh, microphone fap noises are playing like over your speakers. <laughs> yes. So I think we covered uh, what like multiple OPSEC failures uh, tonight. So to wrap this all up, uh, do you guys have any uh, any 
last words? Oh. Learn to use a laptop. <laughs> and don't buy a black phone. All right. What about you, Mr. Chin? Um, measure twice, cut once, especially if you're a rabbi. All righty. Wow. Yeah. There we go. A bion- bionic guy uh, doesn't have to worry about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Drive once. Yeah. End of file. Yeah, so uh, we want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, as always here at Shadow Systems, we encourage you to hack the planet. Shadow Systems.